Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. We're here to recap the Bellator 276 and UFC Fight Night. Our tale of the tape for this, our main event of the evening. We introduce the champion, Chris, the West Side Strangler Freddy. Let's get it all! All right, first fight, J.J. Wilson and Rob Adonoff. Um, that fight went sort of how I expected it to go, um, being, again, from Dagestan. In my opinion, J.J. had the better striking, and J.J. has better jiu-jitsu. But that was a sign of, of pure wrestling. You know, he was able to take him down. He was able to control him on the ground. He was able to stop his jiu-jitsu from happening. And that's been the problem with, uh, you know, I think Khabib fought guys with better striking and with better submission wrestling than him or better jiu-jitsu than him, but they weren't able to apply it. And sure. and those guys over there working, you know, they're so well, so good at staying on top, staying out of trouble. You know, um, I think the guy threw up one sub, JJ threw up one sub on him and, and he was able to get out. But JJ's striking was great. He was pressuring him. He was walking right through everything. Uh, he did get hit once, and and when it when he got hit clean, it sort of changed the the duration, the, the way the fight was going to go after that, and and that's when his takedown started happening fairly easier. He didn't look like he had very good takedown defense. Um, JJ didn't. JJ, okay. Yeah, and I'm sure he expected once he got taken down, he was just going to get busy with the jujitsu. But that's the problem with if you if you play a bottom game in MMA it's so difficult now because it's so much easier to just defend and stay on top and not uh not get subbed and he was throwing punches defending throwing punches defending JJ I think needed to fight a little more to get up and then as he's getting up maybe start to set up a submission at that point you know creating that space to set it up but he was he was more content on trying to work from the bottom and you know again even as high level as he is you can't you can't just Except bottom and work, you know, try to work from there. That's Wilson's first loss. Um, had he really faced anybody that was as high of a caliber as Rabadonov? So his last fight, yeah, his last fight, um, he faced Pedro Cavallo and Cavillo, and uh, I had said that's a huge step up for him. That's right. I remember and he came that. out and you know ran him over. He yep. beat him handily. Yep. And I was like, oh, you know, wow. I didn't realize. I thought he was a just a jiu-jitsu guy because he was claiming to have the best jiu-jitsu in the division. Right. But his striking looked really good in that fight. And then again, it looked good this, this you know, the other night. It looked great. Um, his striking was crisp. He kind of throws a little wild, but he's he's pressure, pressure, pressure. So it, the more pressure you put on a guy that can wrestle, the easier it is for them to take you down. And when you said he was thrown wild, are they big wind-ups? Is he, is he just outside throwing, throwing big punches? Is he kind of shooting for the fences? No, I mean he it's it's clean, but he he is he is a little wide. Um, he finished every combination with a head kick. You know, okay. he throw a combo and then throw a head Bang. kick, and throw a combo and throw a head kick. Was it always coming from the left? Yeah. Okay. And and so it was a little bit, tele not telegraphed, but after a while it becomes telegraphed, even if you're you're hiding it, yeah. because you know the same combo over yep. and over again. He would kind of machine gun some punches and then throw a head kick. Got it. And and he landed some, you know, but but after a while it got. It got to be pretty obvious what was coming, and then he stopped landing, and then the guy started landing on him. Well, in uh, in the previous podcast, you did pick Rabadonov by decision. You thought it'd go the distance. It did. Um, judges scored at 30-27, 29-28, and 29-28. So um, did you feel like 
did you lean more towards 3027 or do you think the 2928 was a closer so the 2928 most likely was giving jj the first round okay and, and i think i gave him the first round because he did he did land strikes he was the pressure he did walk him down you know and keep his back to the fence early on and he was able to to control that round so I think because he didn't get taken down and dominated for very long on the ground in that round, he was able to win just out of pure striking. Awesome. Uh, what, do you, what do you see next for Rabadonov? He's got this one under his belt. Yeah, I mean, his records was a 17 and four. 17 now. and four now. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so 17 and four. That's at that point you're fighting anybody, right? Yeah. Like you get you get anybody in the division. Um, I'm not sure if he was ranked. I don't know that he was, but I imagine he will be soon. And um, at that point, you know, he'll start climbing the top 10 ladder. Awesome. All right. Next fight we have was Salter versus Eblin. Now, you were kind of, you you hedged a little bit. Initially, you, uh, you called Salter, but you did say that if it went the distance that Eblin w- would win a decision. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So that fight went exactly of one of two ways that I thought it could go, you okay. know, and again, this was wrestling, you know, a better wrestler. So we talked about, uh, John Salter being an NAIA national champion. Yep. We talked about Eblin wrestling for Missouri yep. and he had gotten fourth at the Southern scuffle. I think he was a pack or a big 10 or a big 12 champ uh, at one point and had qualified for the NCAAs. So the difference between those two they're about the same, right? Like he's a national champ in one and he placed at another. That that kind of, that puts them sort of on the same level. And uh, he was able to get the takedowns. He got every takedown. You know, he, he was able to stay on top. And again, here's a guy who was working off his back, you know, threw up an armbar triangle one time that was actually really good, looked like it was going to be be tight. And then he just kind of shrugged it off and, and uh, was able to keep striking and, and grind out a decision. And I knew if it went that route, he was going to win a decision. If he decided to to wrestle, he was going to win, you know, a decision. And if he decided to strike and and or ended up on bottom, if he ended up on bottom at any time, I think Salter would have beat him just through jujitsu, you know, yep. at that point. But um, the way it went was, like I said, the same way um, Vanderfort Austin Vanderfort fights his teammate. Uh, you said Eblen tried to get in a triangle, and then he shrugged it off. Did, did he? Did he let go too early, do you think? Salter set up the triangle oh, from the Salter bottom. Okay. Yeah, he set okay. up a triangle from the bottom and then switched to an arm bar. And uh, Eblin just kind of postured up and, and shrugged it off. And, okay. and no, it wasn't It wasn't too early. He didn't let go too early. He, Eblin got out. He got out. Got yeah. Out. And, you know, it's um, the wrestling. If And I, I'll, I'll cover this again in a couple fights um, down the line here tonight. But if the wrestler wants to wrestle... It's just a much harder game to stop than the striker wants to knock you out, you know, and and uh, he pressured and he pressured. And the more someone wants to knock you out, the closer they have to get to knock you out. Sure. And the closer they have to get to you, the closer you are to them to, to wrestle them. OK. And that's why wrestling, in my opinion, dominates the sport if a wrestler will wrestle. You know, we have wrestlers that will fall in love with their power, you know, and they'll they'll strike and knock people out or get beat. You know, but if they go out there and stick to a game plan to actually wrestle and win on the ground or ground and pound, they're going to win. You know, it's just a, a, the percentages are line up much better with the wrestler. Sure. It's harder to stop the takedown and knock someone out than it is to take someone down. 
Uh, Eblig now goes to 11-0. He's still undefeated. Um, and again, we're talking about, you know, he's got 11 fights. Is, was this his best, um, hardest match to this point, do you think? It was definitely his hardest match. And they did say what I said. His next fight will most likely be the winner of Masasi And um, I forget who Masasi has right now, but he's going he's gonna to fall in line yeah. just like his, you know, he even called him out afterwards. And um, he's just not on that level. Not, not even close to being on the same level as Gerard Musasi. It sounds like Musasi's on his own level right now. Well, not even right now. He's been that way for years. You know, he fought in Japan. He fought in the UFC. He fought in, in Bellator. But this guy is so well-rounded. And, and uh, Johnny Eblen is not. Yep. You know, he throws a big punch and then he wrestles. And and he's just Gegard Musasi is one of the hardest guys to take down that's not a wrestler. And he sprawled on Austin Vanderfort and like almost knocked him out on the sprawl and then TKO'd him five seconds later. Jeez. And and so I, I just feel like he's too one dimensional yeah. to offer any sort of threat to uh Gegard Musasi and it's gonna be a five round fight. Yep. So five times he would have to close that distance and take him down. And and it, it kind of contradicts what I'm saying about it's easier for the wrestler. Right. But Gegard is a guy who stays real long. He strikes well. He he actually has very good submissions as well. You know, so if he does get put on his back, he's going to have to defend for, for five minutes and five times. You know, he's yeah, going to have to do that sure. five times, and I just don't see it happening. Uh. We got this, uh, or the judges scored this one unanimous, thirty to twenty-seven. Yeah, is that how you saw it? As yeah, well? yeah. He he just, it wasn't an exciting fight. You know, John Salter tried to make an exciting fight, but Eblen was able to dominate. You know, with with wrestling and some ground and pound, and uh, get the nod. But the judges got it correct for sure. Cool. All right, moving on to the next fight. Phil Davis, Julius Angelikis. Um, you picked Phil. You thought um, late two, early three with a submission is what you said, but you definitely picked Phil. And, and you, I went down and wrote some notes. You said it could go the distance. You didn't think it was going to be a super exciting fight. Yeah. Did, did it all play out kind of that way? Yeah, you sort of went exactly how I thought. Um, it did go the distance, and I believe that that night on the on the last podcast, I did say it could possibly go the you distance did. just because Phil's not a super fast starter. Yep, and he's uh, so watching his fight. He's a little one dimensional on the ground. Uh, he's he's a Kimura guy, okay. and he chased that Kimura for three rounds and and never got it. He got it locked up a couple times. Phil, if you ever want to do a private, I would love to show you a couple tips. <laughs> but but he did, you know, a couple. He, he he maintained position anytime he was trying to get it, and the guy was scrambling a little bit. It looked like the guy. You asked me, maybe he prepared for the Kimura. Yes, yeah, because like, he had just lost in it. Camp. He definitely prepared for the Kimura. He was countering it very well, uh, and and right off the bat, right off the bat, Phil got there and started looking for it, and the guy buried his arm, hit it, turned, came back like he countered it very well. Um, but the 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 difference in the fight again was Phil's a Division One national champ yeah. from Penn State, yeah, and he couldn't stop his takedown. You know, he stopped a couple, but once Phil's hands got together on a body lock, he was falling toward his own back just to whip him over and and get that takedown. And his takedowns were actually really nice. He'd land in side control on all of them, um, and and then he would go to work. But yeah, the guy. 
he didn't have a lot to offer. Phil even looked good on the feet. You know, the guy, um, um, how do you pronounce his last Angelicus? name? Angelicus. Yeah. Angelicus. Um, he looked good. He threw straight punches. You know, he, he was fast. But Phil Davis was, he would set up, you know, he had, that guy had one plan. Try to knock him out. I'm going to stand on the feet, try to knock him out. You know, Phil was able to strike with him evenly or better and then set up takedowns and then continue the fight from there to look for subs and whatnot. And so, again, that guy had sort of one-dimensional. You know, he's a, he's a good striker and throwing straight punches, but trying to do so, he's got to stop the takedown. Yeah. And he couldn't stop the couldn't, takedown. Couldn't stop it. No. You, uh, I, I wrote down a note here. You said it, uh, having it be three rounds might save Angelicus from getting finished. Right. Had it gone into the fourth or fifth, do you think? Do you think that Phil had enough on him that he would have he would have finished the fight? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. Yes and no. Like he he did lock his hands up a, a couple times on the Kimura and get it locked, but he would keep it very straight out here. He could have switched to a straight arm Kimura right there, um, but then it would come back to here. And he just, I feel like um, he knows he finishes it one way okay. a lot. Okay wherever he trains, you know, and there are just a few other, a few other ways to get that finish from the same position. You know, he had a, a few other options that he could have gone to that he might just might not know. Uh, what's next for either of these fighters? What do you, what do you see coming for them? I mean, Phil's going to be right back in line for the belt. You know, he's going to be, he, he got taken out of the tournament, but he's got like, um, uh, well, he beat Yoel last. He beat he beat this guy now, uh, Angelicus. He's gonna have you know maybe one more fight uh, in between, and then he's gonna end up fighting the winner most likely of the tournament. You know he'll probably have to, he'll probably for sure have to have one more fight in between, and then he'll fight the winner of who is it uh, Nemkov and um, the guy that came over from the UFC. I forget. Um, but he's in the finals with him. Okay. And he's a stud. It's going to be a really tough fight for Nemkov. Okay. That's awesome. Corey Anderson. Corey, Corey okay. Anderson. Awesome. Then our final one out of the uh, Bellator fights was Adam Borks and, and Mads Burnell, yeah. 145. I was still talking about that fight last night uh, with, with Todd. Um, that was a great fight. That was a so I thought Mads Burnell would would be able to submit him on the ground. The difference was he didn't really try to take it to the ground. He he stood with him the whole time. He shot a couple times, but the kind of kind of mediocre shots wasn't like I said. Like I said, he he came from from Denmark, not a huge well known country for wrestling. Sure. So I told you that Adam uh, uh, Adam Borix. You know, fortunately for him, he was not a wrestler. Uh, um, Mads wasn't a wrestler, so he wasn't gonna have to. He wasn't gonna have to defend the real high-level wrestling takedowns. And so, what what happened was he shot once or twice. Uh, Mads shot on Adam Borks once or twice, and they were defended. And then it went right into five rounds of epic striking. It was an epic fight. I mean, they they went they threw down. Adam Borks threw very straight punches, threw great jump knees, some good leg kicks. Mads Burnell, who I thought was a, a jiu-jitsu guy, looked really good on the feet. Um, he just walked with his hands up, walked right through the, the volume of Adam Borks, and was killing, was ripping a left hook to the body, left hook to the head. And, and he was landing him very clean, and he, he had to land at least 20, at least 20 clean hook hook 
and and not like here here he was getting the hip twist on both of them he was getting the torque on the on the hook to the body to the liver and to the head so it was very fun to watch because he would walk right through the volume eat a couple and then just rip it and i'm sure he was expecting it to pay off you know over the five rounds sure and to me i, I was second round i was like oh that, that third round this is going to be it you know third round and then fourth round then a fifth round Adam Borks was in great condition. You know, he even said after the fight, look at me, I'm not even breathing, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, his, his core had to have been, worked very well, you know? And then at the same time, Adam, uh, um, Maz Burnell must have never caught him breathing. You know, he must have always caught him when he was tight because had any of them got through like good to the liver, right. that would have been a, a big game changer. I think only one time did I see him cover after after the uh, the punch landed, you talked about Mads Burnell coming in kind of straight and walking him down. Did he have head head movement? Was he trying to get off center, or was he just coming in and just eating it and then and then retaliating? So he had a little bit of head movement, but even like Josh Thompson and them were talking, saying he was kind of just slipping a couple inches off to the sides. Yeah. So he was eating early on. He was he was there flying right past him. Okay. Uh, and then he started walking a little more straight and and eating a little more uh, leather as he was as he was blocking he was prepared he he kept blocking right here on the jump knees he, he knew those were coming and borix threw way more of those than i thought he would um the jump knees yeah he he's had three finishes in bellator and all have been by by flying knee or jump knee that's a complicated i mean that you don't <clears throat> that's yeah. hard to, to land he's great at him and uh he doesn't have to do a lot of setup you know, he can be right in here and just jump and, and land it, and, so he, and he's clean at he's it. He's got a good explosion. Yeah. He doesn't have to wind up and get in on it. Yeah, so he'll wait till this guy's overextending on a punch and, and throw it right then. Um, but he was real quick at getting back and blocking, and, and they were hitting the forearms, which also take the toll on you. Yeah. But, but you know, I don't know how many, but three to five pretty clean ones got through, and and uh, he just he just ate them and, just and ate kept him. going. Yeah, his chin was... Is very good. I started to question Adam Borek's power because he had landed so many punches, and in my opinion, uh, Mads Burnell was landing the harder shots, just not the the volume that that Adam was throwing. So you talked about um, Mads Burnell eating. I think you said three to five jump knees. You talked yeah. about Borek's eating twenty to thirty body shot with that double. I mean, it sounds like it was just a war. I mean, oh yeah, just... it was a. I I think. I think Mads Brunel won one round, maybe two on one judge's cards. Yeah, so um, one judge scored it uh, 50-45. I'm assuming given Adam um, all the 10-9s, and then the other two was 49-46. Okay. So they gave one round to Matt. So, Mads. Yeah, so um, every round, like I said, was close round. So even though Adam was Borks was winning the, the rounds, they were very close rounds, so the fight was close all the way through. Uh, it wasn't a blowout. You know, even though he was winning the rounds, he was winning like 10 to nine and a half. Okay. You know, it was a very close fight all the way through. Um, exciting the whole time. Never slowed down. It was 25 minutes of, of fast pace. And that's what you get with a, a 45 or a 35 or, yeah. you yeah, know, 25 yeah, yeah. or those guys just yes, go and just go and go. And there's also not to take anything away from those guys, but there's usually not that massive one punch knockout power. You know, so that's why you see a lot of the speed, a lot of the volume and, and whatnot. They're, they're, they can knock each other out, obviously, but there's not a lot of UL Romero is running around the 145 division. Yep. Um, 
I heard after the fight that Adam Borix might have broken his foot. Did you see when that might have happened? I, I mean, it could have happened a million times. Okay. They kicked each other, you know, repeatedly. And what was professional about him is he, remember I said he was undefeated in like boxing, undefeated in kickboxing, yes. undefeated in MMA yep. up until he, he lost to Darren Caldwell. He, you would have never known. And the second the bell rang, he couldn't walk. The second the bell rang, he was limping off, and then it literally carried him out of the cage, you know, holding a leg up. Oh, my gosh. But he, he was fighting for 25 minutes or, or at least five minutes. I don't sure. know what round it happened, but sure. he was fighting with, with a broken foot that when the bell rang he and he knew he didn't have to hide it anymore, he couldn't put any pressure on it. He couldn't walk at all. But before that, he was bouncing on it. How do you get to a spot as a person to be able to block that kind of pain? Just, that's, that's a mental that's, thing. Yeah, that's a mental thing. You just want sure. it more. I mean, there's yeah. no way you can train or prepare for anything like that, right? I mean, that's right. just no. That's yeah, for sure. It. That's a, a mental. You know, that guy's mentally tough. He's from Hungary. You know, he's yeah. probably not from a soft part of of uh, the world. Sure. You know, and uh, he, he's mentally tough. Some guys, you know, you would know right away. They'd sit down. They'd fall down. They couldn't stand. You know, whatever. But he was able to play it off. So a point again, he was bouncing on it while he was. Th he never stopped throwing kicks or knees, and then the second the fight was over, he's like, "Okay, you know, I don't have to hide it." Yeah, and, and I'm dying. The pain came out. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now that Adam Borks has this, you think it sets him up for AJ McKee now? Um, it sets him up for the winner of AJ and Pitbull. Ah, okay. <laughs> and and how do you see? I, I know we can get we'll get there, but just ten seconds. How do you see that going? Yeah, man. I I. Uh, it's gonna be a hopefully it's a much better fight than the first one. Okay. Um, I, I like I like AJ's chances. He's very well rounded. He's much longer. Um, Pitbull's real short, you know, and short for the division. He definitely has the the power. He's he's one of the guys that does have that knockout power. He fights at fifty five and forty five, and and was the champion in both divisions, and so holding him at the same time, you know. So I I think he possesses the power. Um, I think he's going to fight AJ a little more cautious this time, and I think AJ might fight a little less cautious, you know, a little more wide open. So I might that might set up, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit of a better fight. But we'll see. Um, I, I would. It's hard to call. Um, I yeah. would like to see um, AJ win again. You know, only for for uh, history for what what's coming later. Yeah, but. Um, right now, you know, um, Pitbull would be cool to see him get his belt back as well. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So you want to talk about one punch power at the lighter weights. Let's talk about Song Yudong versus Marlon Marias. Yeah. That, that was not a, that was not a long fight. That was not even a close fight. No. Um, Uriah Faber has been talking about this guy, saying he's the next guy. He's the future. You know what is? It? Do you know what his record is? Um, he talks about him like he's the next thing, and he does have losses, like five or six yeah, losses. He's, right? he's now nineteen and six after this. After right. This win. Um, and I'm not sure when all of those happened, but or when he got to to Alpha Male to train with Uriah Faber, but he has improved dramatically and he's so clean striking and moves so well funny character you know he's got a personality and uh i think he's going to go a long way in the sport but boy out, does he hit hard he came out real confident seemed like he was really loose coming out i mean he jumped in the ring and i he would put pressure on him quickly he was throwing um throwing punches right out of the gates 
um, and earned him fight of the night, you know, or performance of the night. Like it was just, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. And out of the six fights that we covered, it's the only one that didn't go the distance. That was the only one that was stopped. And as you said, two, it was six into the first. I mean, it went, it went quick. Yeah. And, and this is the same, and I'll cover this on the next fight also that we talk about, but it's one of the most dangerous things you have to do when you fight a guy that has good striking is put pressure on him. So you have to walk into their power and walk them down, you know, to put them on their heels. Yep. And you're like, well, he's trying to knock me out. It'd be easier if I got away from him, right? Right, right, But you have to walk him down. You have to pressure him and and keep walking into their power and put them on their back foot, which is going to make it more difficult for them to get off their their good strikes. Okay. But talking about that and and saying, okay, go out there and do that, that's that's a tough task. And he... Marlon Moraes, a great striker. He has very good striking. And he just walked out, walked right into the, the kitchen sink and beat him up, you know, like <laughs> like it was nothing. And so it was very cool to watch. He, he's a talented fighter. I'm uh, excited about that guy. Marias has lost five of six. He's yeah. been knocked out, I think, all five times. Um, there's a lot of people wondering if maybe that's that's the end of the road for him, at least, at, you know, at this stage in his career. Yeah, I, I don't – it's hard to say. I don't know. It, it's most likely definitely the end of the road for the UFC. Um, I imagine he gets cut. Um, I, it's not all the time that the UFC cuts their big-name guys. You know, there's a guy that fought for the belt, sure. um, I think, more than once. Um, he's he's fought Jose Aldo, Henry Cejudo. Like, he's fought the, the names and, and done well. Um, so if he gets cut, I don't know that he's done fighting. Okay. But I don't know where someone goes that's been fighting at that level for that long. Um, So I'm not sure if he's done. Uh, I would imagine the UFC is either, like, there's just no easy fights, right? There's no easy fights anymore once you get to that level, unless you're fighting, like, a new guy coming in and catch him before he's, you know, starstruck, you know, or catch him while he's starstruck. Right. Um, But it's just a tough spot to be in for him. And so, yeah, I, unfortunately, I do see him. I saw him taking his gloves off and everything in the ring or in the cage. So I thought he was going to do it himself, uh, retire right there himself. And maybe that's what it was. But I don't think they interviewed him. So, uh, but he might be done before getting cut. Yeah, you go out on your own terms, right. so to speak, even though it really was. As soon wasn't. as Dana Cole said, hey, 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 let me tell you something before you tell me something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not going to do this. Um, obviously, the short fight, not a lot to call. Um, yeah. I, th- I did look at the strike count, and it was 14-9 to 9 in favor of Yudong. But, I mean, it, I, I don't know that it meant much just because how short it was. So. Yeah. I mean, the nine, I would have to watch the nine that landed because the 14 that landed were, they they were, were good shots. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, and then our last fight. You talked uh, talked a little bit about pressure. Uh, Santos and Uncle Live. Um, man, Uncle Live felt like he was pressuring the whole time. He was uh, walking Santos back. Um, yeah. It looked like Uncle Live was uh, was straddling that that circle almost the entire fight. Yep. Um, so that that's kind of the fight I was referring to when talking about Marlon Marais and and uh, Song Yudong. Um. Santos is one of the best strikers in the UFC, you know, and a big guy. And you have to walk walk him down. Yeah. Is So, you coach, you want me to walk into him while he's trying to strike me? 
Yes, keep walking him down. You know, keep him on his heels. Keep him behind that black line. You once you put their foot behind that black line and you keep him there, that's why Tyron Woodley lost so many fights is at the end of his career because he fought his entire time walking the fence. Yeah, you know, and that is the other guy in the judges' eyes. That is the other guy pressuring you. Yep, you're being put there. Like Tyron wouldn't even come out. They'd start the fight. He'd take two steps out and then back right up to it and fight along there like he had a game plan. But he wasn't finishing fights from there, and he wasn't the aggressor from there. Yeah. So you're losing. And so if you get if you come out to the middle and then get walked back there and you stay there, you're you're not the aggressor. The, your opponent's the aggressor. So the judges look at that. So even when Tiago Santos was landing shots, and he did land some good shots, he landed some hard shots. Uh, Uncle Iaf was. I mean, actually, he dropped him at one point, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, he did. I he think he, he did. dropped him at one point. And I was like, ah, you know, when he got on top of him, the round ended. Yes, but, it was the end of the second, I think, is when it was. Because, yeah. Yeah. And and so, again, that's the risk you take walking into someone's strength. You know, his strength is his, is his striking and his power that he's finished multiple people with. Yep. And, and he stood right there, but he kept that foot behind the black line basically the entire fight and had it uh, – had he stopped him, you know, great. But since he didn't stop him, it was clear who the aggressor was. So right then, you win that part of the fight. Yes. You know, if there's if there's a the points for aggression and and ring control, cage control, that's you. So that guy wins that part of the fight. Then he landed, you know, head kicks. He landed a lot of lot of punches. He landed two takedowns, I think, to the one. I don't know if no. it was a takedown, but it was a take. It was a drop, right? He dropped him. No, it was a takedown. Uncle I was one for two on takedowns, and Santos never, never even got an attempt on a takedown. Okay, according to the stat sheet. Yeah, he 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 put him on his butt. Yes, that's what happened. Yeah, he yeah. Um, and and how did the judges score that fight? Uh, forty nine, forty six, forty nine, forty six, and forty eight, forty seven. That forty eight, forty seven kind of surprised. Yeah, he didn't win two rounds, but they most likely definitely gave him the round that he dropped him. Yeah. Like even yep. if you're losing that round, if you drop somebody with a strike, it's bigger than a takedown. So that's your, you know, that's that's most likely how he squeezed out that round. I did two things that that were of note to me. Um, the first round, I think it was three minutes before there were any significant strikes at all. I mean, they were feeling each other out. A lot of head movement, a lot of hand movement, just kind of bobbing. There wasn't a lot for a long See the size period. of those guys? Yeah, I know. They're big. They're <laughs> you big. You know, that's, they know. 205. Yeah, they and there is one punch power there. Yeah, you for know, there's sure. one knee power. There's one kick power. They have yep. all the power yep. and, and the technique to go behind it. And you're fighting two of the best strikers, you know, one for sure. Yes. You know, not 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 a lot of people knew too much about Uncle IF yet, except that he was very good and he had a lot of good knockouts. But he, uh, you guys, they come out with against each other, of course they're going to be cautious at first, right? Yeah. You come out and just throw caution to the wind and just start slinging at that it's point. Someone's, yeah, it's going to be a short fight. It could be you. Yep. You could be the better guy. And still get knocked out if you, you know, get caught by the wrong. Right, starts with right. So that was uh, that's what they were feeling each other out, trying to see the distance, check range a little bit. Yep. And then once they found that, then it was pop pop. You know, they went to work. The other thing that I noticed, I don't know if you if you saw Uncle Iev's uh, lead leg after the fight, both inside oh, yeah. and outside, oh, yeah. it got crushed. It was it was crushed in the third round. Yeah, that it started. Round, it I it got all pink. And, yeah, pinks and, and welts. And by the fourth round, then you saw the broken blood vessels, and it was bruising yeah. up. And both the inside and the outside, Santos was landing some brutal kicks on yeah. him. He's a he's a big kicker, man, and, and uh, with a lot of power, a lot of power. So, For sure, he's having a hard time walking today. Oh yeah, I, I he will. 
I suspect he'll be having a hard time walking for a, a while. few days. Yeah. Um, just uh, by way of statistics, Santos was uh, total strikes was 81 out of 114. Um, significant strikes was 60 out of 138. And then if you look at the volume, Uncle Life had a 191 throws and he landed 114 of them. So Uncle Life landed as many strikes as Santos threw. Right. I mean that yeah. that kind of so tells you how the fight how the fights go. And then when you go significant, um, he threw seventy eight, landed landed fifty five of them, and then he had one out of two out of takedowns. So that's again that's a very high percentage of strikes to land clean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that was the that was the tell of the fight. Basically, it's how it went. I uh, I didn't get to catch the I didn't get to catch the Bellator fights, but uh, the UFC fights were great. We got one that was just lighted up quick and was done. We got a long grinding fight. Um, yeah. it, was, it was an exciting night Saturday night. I had them both up at the same time. I was watching one on my phone, one on the TV, and then the UFC ended early. Okay, um, it was it, it ended probably by the main card of of Bellator, so I was able to switch over and then and then watch that. But it was it was pretty. It was a good night of fights, even though there was a lot of decisions. It was a good night of fights. Yep. Um, there was there was actually an undercard fight on Bellator that I didn't cover that I would, I just want to talk about real fast. Uh, Cody Law, he is a guy that's in Luke's division. He is a very good wrestler. Um, I forget where he wrestled, but a college wrestler, and he is six and zero now. Um, but he's he's got hands. I believe he trains out of American Top Team, and uh, the guy he fought was was okay. But he's he's continued to impress me over over the fight. So I want us to continue to talk about that guy because at some point. You know he'll be on the main card and be and be fighting bigger name guys, and um, we'll be talking about him. So, not only does he have high level Division One wrestling, he's also a uh, a very good striker. And you said that's at one forty five. One forty five. Do you see that in Luke's future? I mean, they think... both have the same record. Yeah, they're both five and zero. Yeah, I'm at six and zero. Six and zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine at some point they will they will run into each other down the line for sure. That'll be that'll be exciting. Yeah, It'll be good. Right. Guys, check back uh, in a few days. I'm going to have my podcast up with Lucas. And then a couple days later, my old friend, Todd Medina. So check back and uh, go subscribe to the page. It is all over. Just like that. <laughs>